there's been there's just turkey everywhere. Turkey at school, turkey at church, turkey, you know, and then it's like, oh, you kind of get, but this is chili. So I'm, that, to me, I think that's fantastic. I, don't, I, can, I can enjoy the turkey, and, and I get to enjoy chili. And um, what was it? It was uh, two years ago on this day was my first Sunday at Willow Bend Church. So that's pretty, uh, pretty special. And then, like last year, and again, uh, Todd and Lisa Wynn, it was their first Sunday here. And so, so I look around, and I see some other folks, and it's your first Sunday here today. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what plans God might have for you, you know? No pressure, just it's kind of cool when to see God uh, uh, put things together. Um, so the Sunday before Thanksgiving, all right, we call this the day of thanks. But, but it's so good that we have... Um, a time set aside every year to remind ourselves about thankfulness. Thankfulness guards your soul. It's good. Like, like bitterness, entitlement is so easy to set into a person, but thankfulness guards your soul against that. So I'm just going to come back here. We got our, our tree of thanks here. Um, and uh, just kind of, well, look at this. I found... Uh, Here's, here's one that has like all the people in my family. Seth, Salem, Schaefer, Sage. We got uh, cousins, Timber, Taylor. I bet you this came from your mom, Julie. You know, because they were here last week for the baptism. Like, like who's thankful for that? Um, this person is thankful for my wife. Good for you, whoever that is. My salvation in Jesus, my boys, and my church. This one's, hey, somebody's thankful for a husband. All right. It's possible. This is a place of miracles. You know, husband, our families. We're, we are thankful. Another husband. That's fantastic. Another husband. My goodness. Thankful for my family. Family's great. Um, just so many reasons to be thankful. And like, like if, you, if you work on it, and you really don't have to work hard. You shouldn't. Uh, you could find a lot of things to be thankful for. Today, uh, so the thing God put on my heart was to be thankful for a father who can catch. And as I think about that, like some of my uh, great precious memories are me and my dad playing catch in the yard. Um, now, but I got to confess something to you. My dad didn't grow up with a dad. So when we played catch in the yard, it was a little backwards. It, backwards in this, like we would throw the baseball and he would work on his pitching and I would be the catcher, you know. Now, Daryl probably doesn't see any problem with that because he was a, a catcher. But, you know, when you're a teenage boy, you're like, I want to I wanna work on my pitching, Dad. And so, but, but nonetheless, it was still time with my dad. And that, that matters. Uh, this past week, Tuesday... I had a no good, horrible, very bad day. I mean, it was just, it was frustrating. And I'm driving home, and I know, and with me being frustrated, I can, um, it wouldn't be too hard for me to just take that out on my family. And as I pull up to the house, out runs my, my two youngest boys, just bounding out of the house with all kinds of energy and, and exuberance. And, um, you know, they were just off on one of their typical adventures. And down on my floorboard was a football that was left 
in the uh, in the in in my car, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. I reach down, I grab the football, and I get out, and I hide the ball from the boys. And as I come around the car, I say, "Down, set, hut," and they both took off, running a pass pattern. And so, and all of a sudden, now we are we're just playing catch, and uh, and just to see them come alive with with playing catch together. Um, so, um, but playing catch. You know, catching a, a father who can catch, I mean, that's, that's good. If you ever play catch with your dad, for him to be able to catch the ball versus him running down the street every time you toss it to him, that's better. But, but, but catching goes beyond that. Um, we, uh, um, my dad would pick me up and throw me in the air. And, and that, was, that was all kinds of fun. A dad who can catch. I mean, like, if he couldn't catch... Think of the memories you get with that. Like, you know, uh, my dad just would throw me and drop me, and it was like, it was traumatic. Um, I did, though, uh, you know, uh, Maggie Joe, you share this with Trevor if I haven't already. When, when I had my first child, Seth, we were in church one Sunday, and I'm like, I'm throwing him up in the air, and we're having a good time with that. And I was uh, like, he's laughing. I said, I wonder how high I could throw him. It was a. It was an uh oh. I tossed that baby up in the air, and here's the thing about babies: their heads are kind of large for a little human, which makes them top heavy. So I threw him up in the air as high as I could throw, and then all of a sudden he he that that heavy head pulls and hit. Now, like I was catching him by underneath his arms, and now that's not an option anymore. And I'm so thankful my wife was looking the other way. Because I caught that little boy by the leg about right here. He doesn't remember that, you know. Um, but it was a good time. So um, I want to, uh, I, I got a video I want to show you of um, uh, some fathers with some quick reflexes making some great catches. So watch this real quick.
Yeah, over the uh, over the past several weeks, we've been looking at different ways that we fall in life as as people, as humans. We we have a we fall and we fall a lot and we fall for a lot of things in life. We looked at um, how we uh, will fall in for the oldest trick in the book. Uh, where Satan tricks Adam and Eve into doubting God's love and provision to question and doubt what God has said and to ultimately seek to become their own God where they're in control. And we've all fallen for this old trick. And it has cost us more than we can calculate. And, And Satan knows that if he can get us to disconnect from God's will in order to do our own will, that we're going to end up isolating ourselves. I mean, sure, you might be in control, but you're on your own, isolated. And that makes you vulnerable to all sorts of attacks from Satan. Uh, Related to doubting God's love and provision, we looked at how so many of us fall into debt. Many of us fall into debt when we use money that we don't have to buy things that we don't need in order to impress people that we don't even like. And in turn we end up having lives that are under constant stress and pressure. Last week, we looked at how we fall into ruts and we feel stuck and helpless. In, in life, we all fall and, and fall often, it seems. Psalm 145, verse 14 says, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. We fall but our Father in heaven knows how to catch. You see, our God catches us because our God is a God who knows how to save. He saves. When when we think of salvation, we generally, we we think of salvation in a spiritual sense, but the Bible speaks of salvation in more than just a spiritual term. Uh, In the Bible, God saves from oppressors and enemies. Salvation is, spoken of, uh, salvation is spoken of in terms of healing and of sickness, uh, as well as vindication in court, being rescued from death, and of course God saves us from our sin. What we see in the Bible is that there is this huge range of situations and realities that the phrase God saves covers. And the reason for this vast variety of... of um, of circumstances in which God saves his people is because we human beings need a lot of saving. And God does a lot of saving in the Bible. We need need rescue in our families, rescue in our finances, rescue from our addictions, rescue from enemies, rescue from illness, rescue from depression, anxiety, greed, lust, and the list can go on and on and on. I mean, there seems to be no limit to the kind of messes that we can get ourselves into, is there? And I don't say this to to take away from human worth and dignity. On the contrary, the reason that God acts to save us in so many ways is because God believes that we are worth saving. So we can be thankful for God who saves and a God who catches and upholds those who are falling. And truth be told, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall. 
No matter how good or talented you are, no matter how smart you think you are or how successful you think you are, when you measure yourself up to a perfect and holy God, we all fall short. Because of our sin, we all fall. None of us are who we could be. None of us are who we ought to be. And and doing the very best that we can, we still fall. But the Lord upholds those who are falling. The Lord raises up all who are bowed down. I ask you, are, are you are you bowed down? Have you bowed your life in humble submission to the God who saves? Do you live for the purposes of God or do you live selfishly? Maybe you live to get You live to take, you live to control, so you don't bow to God. The only time that you do God's will in life is when His will just happens to line up with the way you were going to go anyway. Such a life does not get to know what it's like to have God catch you and then raise you up. You see, we all fall, and our Father in Heaven knows how to catch. And if you would bow down, this same God will raise you up. As many times as I've fallen in life, I'm so thankful for a father who knows how to catch. When I have fallen in my marriage, God caught me. When I had fallen in my finances, God caught me. When I fell as a parent, my heavenly father caught me. When I fell because of fear, God caught me. When I fell into bad habits, God caught me. When I fell into anger, anxiety, apathy, and arrogance, God caught me. When I fell into sin, shame, sloth, slander, God caught me. In every way that I have fallen in life, my Heavenly Father has always known how to catch. So on this Sunday, when we consider the many reasons we should be thankful, let us be thankful for a Father who catches us when we fall. Psalm 18, Psalm 118, I'm sorry. Psalm 118 is a psalm of thanksgiving for a God who knows how to catch. I want us to look together at this psalm in a little more in depth and, and let God's word move our hearts to be inspired towards right thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 118, verse 13. It says, I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. I like that. I was pushed hard hard as we've been talking about the various ways we all fall in life sometimes we fall because we've been pushed we fall because someone has set out to bring us down life got messed up not because of bad choices that i have made but because not because i fell for some trick and was fooled into a mistake no life got messed up because someone had bad intentions someone came with the purpose of doing harm, and they pushed. They not only pushed, they pushed hard. Have you ever been pushed? Have you ever felt as though life was getting worse, you were falling, but it was because of someone else? You you were trying to do good, trying to live white, and and, um, someone came and pushed you. At first... You might have thought it's just an accident. But, but they just bumped into me. 
They didn't mean to push me. The push wasn't enough to make you fall. So you stand. It's like, it's okay. But it wasn't an accident. And, and you know that they meant to push you because now they push you again. This time they push hard. And you start to fall. You know, when you're falling, the reason that you're falling, that's not important, is it? Not, not in that moment. When you're falling, whether it was an accident or on purpose, none of that matters. When you're falling, when you've lost control and life is going down and you're plummeting and it's not your fault, the only thing that's important in that moment is what's below you. When you're falling, you've lost control, life is going down, you're plummeting, you can't do anything about it. Have, have any of you ever fallen like that? When you're falling, the reason why you're falling, it's really not important. Not in that moment. Just what's below. Being pushed hard was bad enough, but, but you're falling toward something. And, and how much is it going to hurt when you finally hit? Is it, is it jagged rocks? Is, is there more danger below? Crocodiles and snakes or, you know, what's down there? Is it lava? Remember playing that game as a kid? Fall in the lava. You were pushed hard. And now life is out of control and a collision is imminent and it's not going to be good. So the psalmist says in Psalm 118 verse 13, I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. I was falling. I was out of control. I was headed toward my doom. Someone pushed me. Someone messed up my life and I can't fix it. I was falling. But the Lord helped me. I was in trouble, but the Lord helped me. I I thought I was done for, but the Lord helped me. In verse 14, he says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Has God saved you? Have you been saved from your own sin? The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. What that means is that, that every single one of us, because of sin, is falling toward death. We are falling toward destruction. Whether we were pushed by Satan or we were tripped up and stumbled as an accident or we just simply rebelled against God and said, I'm jumping anyway. Your perspective does not change the reality that because of sin... You're falling towards an eternal doom. We are all in trouble here. But there's a God who knows how to catch. Has God saved you? Romans 10.9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. A few verses later in verse 13, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Has there been a moment where you, of your own free will, called on the name of the Lord to save you? Has there been a moment when you voiced a heartfelt prayer to God, admitting that you need to be saved, saved from your sin, confessing that God's Son is now the Lord of your life and that you believe in His death on the cross and His resurrection? Has God become your salvation? And if not, what's keeping you? But if God has become your salvation, you can be thankful 
for a father who helped you when you were falling. A father who caught you. Our Heavenly Father is a good, good Father and He saves us from our sin. He will also save us from all sorts of other trouble in life. And that's why we've got this psalm of thanksgiving. Let me, let me take you back to verse 1. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. Psalm 118, verse 1. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. God's love is steadfast. Meaning... Meaning that the love of God, it's constant. It's unwavering. That regardless of your circumstances or, or your failures or your successes, His love remains. When you are having the worst day of your life, the love of God remains the same. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Verse 2, let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Israel was God's people. Let God's people say His steadfast love endures forever. This week, when, when family gathers around the Thanksgiving table, let God's people remind others that God loves in a way that does not change. And that is something to be thankful for. Verse 3. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. The house of Aaron, they were the priest. They were the ones in charge of worship. It's like saying, let the pastor say his steadfast love endures forever. Let, let the music team say his steadfast love endures forever. This needs to be spoken to the people. God needs to be worshipped and praised and thanked for his steadfast love. Verse 4, let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. If you recognize, understand, and respect the things of God, let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Verse 5. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Isn't it great that in the midst of our trouble, in the middle of our mess and pain, that we can call upon the God of the universe and He hears our cries. He cares. And from His steadfast love and wisdom, He responds. Now, we mistakenly think that if God cares, that He will keep us from discomfort. That, that, if, that if God cares, then we won't have any pain or any suffering or any difficulty because that is how we want to be loved. But God's love is perfect. And so is His wisdom. Oftentimes, trial is for our good. Oftentimes, difficulty builds us up. It strengthens us in ways that com comfort cannot. When you call upon the Lord for help, believe that His love is steadfast, that it's always there, but also trust in God's wisdom. God knows what's best for you. God knows what's good for you. And God sees the future. And He's got a plan for you. Believe that God's on your side. And when you believe that, then fear no longer rules you. What can man do to me? If God is for me, then who can be against me? With God on my side, then I'm on the winning side. And when I look back on those who have hated me, 
I will be looking from a position of victory and triumph. Verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. I really like these two verses here. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. You see, this is counterintuitive to the modern Western man because we like to be self-sufficient. and We like to be in control. And, and we like to understand everything. But the psalmist has figured out something powerful in life. He's figured out that the best that man can do and offer is far less than what God is able to do and offer. So, so his hope is not in himself. His hope is not in other men. His hope is in God. He says it's better to take refuge in the Lord than in princes. The modern correlation would be the government. It's better to take refuge in God than the government. Do you really think that the government is going to solve the problems of man? I mean, every couple of years we get all worked up over who's going to be voted into running the government. Who will we entrust to make the rules to govern us all? And some people think, well, if Obama is making the rules, then all will be good. And other people think, if Trump is making the rules, then all will be good. The problem is, our problem is not that we don't have good rules to live by. Our problem is that sin corrupts the human heart. Sin makes all of us selfish in nature. Sin makes us rebellious. Out of curiosity, I... I did an internet search to see if I could find out how many federal laws are, are there in the United States. And what I found is, nobody really knows. In 1980, the General Accounting Office was tasked by Congress to determine how many federal laws existed. By 1984, they hadn't given a response yet. So Congress says, hey, we asked you to count. What's the deal? They said, we're not done counting. As of today, nobody knows how many laws have been passed by Congress. Many laws currently in effect negate older laws which are, which, which are outdated. I mean, here's one that I read about. There is an old federal law which outlaws taking a bath in the nude. And... The article that I read was written in 2018. That law is still in effect. Yeah. Um, I read that there are over 20,000 laws governing the ownership and use of guns. 20,000. Did you know that the federal tax code is over 75,000 pages long? That's a lot of rules. But maybe in our next election, we will get the right set of angels to make our rules and fix our problems. I don't know about you, but I believe our problems are not going to be fixed by more and better rules. Our problem needs to be fixed at the heart level, and only God can change the heart. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. 
Verse 10. All nations surround me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me. They surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They were out like like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them out. When problems abound, when problems seem overwhelming, God is and has always been the answer. Jesus is the answer. Now, what is your problem? Is it in marriage? Jesus is the answer. Is it in your monies? Jesus is, in the, is the answer. Is it in, in anger inside you? Jesus is the answer. Is it stress, anxiety, depression, addiction? He's the answer to all those and more. Verse 13, I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. See, we could be thankful for a father who knows how to catch. Because we do a lot of falling. You know, a lot of times when we fall, start to feel shame, guilt. Like, how do I, how do I, I did it again. But the Bible tells us that our God's love is steadfast. Our God is able to love more often than you can make mistakes. And because He's a God who saves, He doesn't mind catching you. Again. We like to get second chances. But the third, fourth, and fifth, we're like, gosh, I don't deserve that anymore. It's not because you deserve it. It's because our God is great that you get those third, fourth, fifth, sixth. And you know what? With God, if you've put your trust in Him, if you've put your hope in Him, I haven't found in the Bible a place where the limit to the amount of catches that He'll put in your life is there. So today we can be thankful for our God who catches us when we fall. And when we fall again, and when we fall again, when we fall again. And the big one. Sin. The one where it's like when you're falling, it doesn't matter except what's below you. What's below you is we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we are descending toward an eternity of destruction. But, but God sends His Son Jesus who comes down and becomes one of us and basically with His sacrifice on the cross sets out a big safety net to catch all of us. You'll put your hope and trust in Him. You can be saved. That we can be. We will be eternally thankful for. I want to ask my musicians to go ahead and come up. But maybe today you needed to hear 
that God's not done with you. You've come in and you feel guilt. And let me tell you something. Satan deals in guilt. God deals in conviction. You want to know how you can tell the difference? When it's guilt, you want to hide. When it's conviction, you want to change. You've, been, you've come here and you've just felt guilty over things you've done or haven't done. And God says, I don't want you to feel guilt. I don't want you to go and hide. I'll catch you again. Now you get to go a new and better direction. One that you feel good about because you know it's in my will. Let him catch you again today. And if you are here today and you've never bowed down, you've never given your life over to Jesus, what's still holding you back? I know of no good reason, lots of different reasons, but no good reason to resist the love of God. And I promise you, you like being in control, but we're not very good at it. I can tell you from my own life, letting God be in control has brought the most amount of good to me. And it will for you too. It will for you too. So Father God, we just pray that in this moment, that your love would overwhelm us. That, there, that guilt would not keep somebody from from coming to you today, that God, fear would not keep someone from coming to you today. That God, pride would not keep someone from coming to you today. God, that your love would outshine all of those negatives. And God, I pray for anyone here today They've heard about you, but they, they missed the real point. They heard about a God who had a bunch of rules and expectations. And they thought that it was all about performing for you. But you love, you love greatly. And the fact that they did not do whatever it is that they did, didn't do, God, that doesn't erase that you've got a great love. And so, God, I pray for them today that perhaps today can be the day that you become their Savior and that they finally give their life over to you and they take just that first step and then let you guide the rest of the steps. And Father, for those of us, we, we have been saved, but there's some area in our life that we've just taken control over. That today would be a good day to lay that down. Quit resisting your will. And to walk new, fresh, in your ways. So whatever it is, God, help us to take that step. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.